0: Are you working? What kind
1: of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. what is it you want to do when you grow up? Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Oh, baby. Here we go on this Friday night, and we start The Edge right here on TSN 1050. Of course, we're streaming online, tsn1050.ca, with some breaking news with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their search, at least for now, for that right-handed shot, top four defensemen, is over. According to multiple reports, the Toronto Maple Leafs just 10 minutes or so ago have agreed to terms with Calgary Flames, former Calgary Flames defenseman T.J. Brody on a four-year deal worth $5 million per year. So if you were one of those people out there that were hoping for Alex Petrangelo to come home, and join his boyhood team, you are out of luck because that would seem to take the Toronto Maple Leafs out of contention. That's right, TJ Brody, a four-year deal worth a reported 5 million dollars per year to join the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I've worked at TSN for a long time. My name is Aaron Korolnik, by the way, Al's brother behind the glass here at TSN 1050. worked at TSN for nine years, and Free Agent Frenzy is always one of the most fun days on the calendar to work at TSN. It's super cool to see everything behind the scenes, how it all works, and see Duffy and McKenzie and Dreger and the entire crew do their thing. Today, a little bit different. I think a lot of people were at home watching Kudos to everybody for a terrific job as always, but there was Jakob Markstrom who signed with the Calgary Flames, a six-year deal worth six million per year. There was Kevin Shattenkirk. There were a lot of rumors, but as far as Toronto goes, this is the big story of the day. Wayne Simmons signed earlier, a one-year deal worth 1.5 million, but TJ Brody, four years, five million per year. Let's go to the insider in the TSN 1050 studios. Al's brother with your reaction. What do you think, Al's bro?
2: I think this is a great signing by the Maple Leafs. He was one of the guys that if they couldn't get Petrangelo, which it really did seem like the odds were not in their favor as the process really came on. T.J. Brody was a pretty good secondary option, so I'm really glad that they got him, someone who they can shove in their top four and can play with Morgan Riley. He plays on the right side, and that's exactly what they're looking for. Five years is a very reasonable contract, too, and you're only locked up for four for uh, four years, so that's, that's not too bad. I, I like the
1: signing. Good piece of work by Kyle Dubas. Well, it goes without saying that Vegas is rarely wrong. And in this case, they were spot on with their odds on where T.J. Brody will sign his next contract. The Maple Leafs were the favorite at plus 200, followed by the Flames, Jets, and Bruins. So Vegas had Brody, pegged as a Maple Leaf, and it came to fruition. Looking at Alex Petrangelo, and I think that's going to be the thing we're talking about for the next 24 to 48 hours at TSN and around the hockey world, you'd have to presume that the, the the chances of him becoming a leaf are long gone. There, the commitment, the financial commitment to Brody would take them out of the equation. What that means for Vegas and St. Louis, who seem to be the two teams left standing, is going to be very interesting because basically the three of them. And yes, there were odds on where certain players would land in free agency. It was Toronto, it was Vegas, and St. Louis. With Toronto out of the mix, it's down to two. And I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. I think it's it's a it's a coin flip at this point.
2: I think I'm going Vegas, to be honest with you, just because you take a look at if he was going to sign in St. Louis, it would have been more beneficial for him to take that extra eighth year if he liked what he was offered by St. Louis. The fact that he decided to go to market and see what he could get, I, I look at what Vegas has done, moving out some money. It looks like they're looking to clear up the amount of space that's necessary to sign a guy like Petrangelo. And if he's really willing to go to to, to, Columbia, or to Vegas, uh, that's, the, that's where I'd be putting my money on right now.
1: We will talk a ton of NFL over the next hour. Todd Furman from Fox Sports does an amazing job on Fox Sports Live. He'll join us in about six minutes' time. Don Padula, the co-founder, lead producer of TSN Edge, will join us as well in about 20 minutes. And the grappler, Al's brother, for their pound-the-table picks of the week every Friday. But back to TJ Brody, if you're just joining us, signs with the Maple Leafs on a reported four-year deal worth $5 per year. The trade last year that was made for Tyson Berry was originally a deal that the Leafs tried to do to acquire Brody, but Nazem Kadri nixed the deal, and the Leafs went on and made the deal for Berry and Alex Kerfoot. So clearly Brody was in the crosshairs for Kyle Dubas for at least a year, and he finally got his man. So. Very interesting maneuvering. I think it's a pretty successful day one for the Toronto Maple Leafs, getting TJ Brody, getting getting Wayne Simmons. So kudos to Kyle Dubas for some strong work on day one of free agency.
2: I think one of the most important things is the fact that they didn't kind of blow their brains out and go out and get Petrangelo at at eight, nine million dollars or somewhere in between there, what it would have taken to sign him. And I think it's best off the fact that they go out, they get Wayne Simmons at one and a half, they get TJ Brody at five million. And now you also have a couple million dollars to fill out the rest of the depth. And if you look at what was successful in the NHL, the teams who made it to the cup final, it's depth. You know, they're rolling four lines. They got, you know, three pairings that they could uh, put out there and feel good about. So the fact that the Leafs are, are kind of taking that, and, and I know it's a copycat league, and that's one of the things it looks like that they're going to try and copycat. I like the fact that they decided to do that, build out the depth, and balance out this lineup.
1: He is Al's brother. You'll hear from him a little bit later when he and the grappler of Overdrive fame join us here on TSN Edge. But next on the program, Todd Furman from Fox Sports Live, one of the best in the business, calls in, helps us break down Week 5 in the NFL. Some big favorites, some big spreads to get into. We'll do that with Todd Furman next on The Edge. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it, count it up, count it up, count it up. Count it, count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Back here on The Edge, live TSN 1050. What's going on now, brother? Okay, all right, so Todd Furman not there with us quite yet, but we have some breaking news to react to. Here in Toronto, TJ Brody is a Maple Leaf. You know TJ Brody as the 30-year-old defenseman who previously played for the Calgary Flames, and that's a very loud music, Oz. Brother, gotta turn down turn, it down, turn it down a little bit. I know you're excited about T.J. Brody, but we'll get to uh, Todd Furman when he joins us in just a moment. But the story with Brody free agent, a left-hand shot defenseman who plays the right side. He predominantly played with Mark Giordano for the last couple of years, so he's familiar with that situation. You imagine he's going to slide in next to Morgan Riley on that top pairing, and I think by all indications, a lot of people are very optimistic about what T.J. Brody can bring. The price, $5 million a year. It's not cheap, but I think that's the going rate for a guy like T.J. Brody. The term is four years, and I think most importantly, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I guess the NHL as a whole, Alex Petrangelo will not be a Toronto Maple Leaf. It would take a remarkable stretch of occurrences for that to happen at this point, Um, but it certainly appears that the Toronto Maple Leafs are out on Alex Petrangelo with T.J. Brody joining the team. Week 5 in the NFL is coming up, and there are not a litany of great games. I mean, I think... You looked at Thursday night last night between the Bucks and the Bears. That was one of only three games on the schedule between teams over 500. So there's a lot of unfortunate looking matchups, but that does not mean there is not value out there to be bet. And there's some big numbers and we'll talk to Don Padula in about 15 minutes time. The. Um, the lead producer of TSN Edge about some of the survivor pool picks that we're looking at. And there's some big double digit dogs, inclu- big double digit favorites, I should say, including the Dallas Cowboys who are hosting the New York Giants. Dallas 1 and 3, probably the worst defense in the NFL. They're up against the 0 and 4 Giants who might have the worst offense in the NFL. So that should be an interesting one. But to see D- Dallas as a double digit favorite or close to it, I think is something that surprised a lot of people. The Baltimore Ravens now they smash teams when baltimore wins they win big and they are between 12 and a half or 13 point favorites hosting joey covers and the cincinnati Bengals. and on that note let's welcome in todd Furman. you know him as the bitter rival of clay travis and cousin sal on fox bet live he's the host of the betting the board podcast one of the best in the biz what's up todd how are you this evening
0: I'm doing very well, Aaron. How are things north of the
1: border, my friend? Uh, Everything's good here, man. It's a a wild evening. T.J. Brody is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, Every Toronto Maple Leaf fan is driving around shirtless, waving their Maple Leaf flags in celebration. It's quite an evening here, and you'd expect nothing less from the city of Toronto when it comes to hockey, right?
0: You know, I'm trying to figure out where the Lease continue to go to find all this extra salary cap space year in, year out. But, uh, hey, we've seen it in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams, so hopefully one of these years it'll all pay dividends and the Lease fans can celebrate in the streets, much like they did last summer with the Toronto Raptors.
1: Todd, you're a pro, so you made it easy for me to segue to the Dallas Cowboys. They are between eight. I, I don't know exactly where the line stands right now, but as, as, of, as of this afternoon, it was around nine, nine-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Giants. A line I know on your show, Cousin Sal, a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I know you guys were talking about that extensively throughout the week. What is your perspective on Dallas as such a big favorite in spite of their struggles against anyone, even the lowly New York Giants?
0: Well, I think the biggest issue with Dallas right now is figuring out what they're going to be defensively. When you have an offense as explosive as what we've seen over the first four weeks of the season, you don't need your defense to be the 85 Chicago Bears or the Ray Lewis-led Baltimore Ravens. You just want this unit to be average, let the offense do their thing, and force other teams to play from behind. That hasn't quite been the script so far this season you've seen the Cowboys in a shootout nearly every single week week one against the Rams the lone exception but when you talk about the level of division familiarity and their former head coach Jason Garrett going to have fingerprints all over this game plan not only offensively but I'm sure he'll have a little bit of intel from a defensive standpoint for the Giants I think this total is actually a touch inflated and while it's been scary to bet Cowboys games under if they don't have to abandon the ground game and you're talking about a game script that's played in that narrow window where the Cowboys maybe have the lead I can really see a scenario where it's the first team to 27 that wins this football game, giving us about a full field goal of value, which is rare to find in the NFL. I'm going under 54 in the Giants and Cowboys tilt. It,
1: it's interesting you say that, Todd, and Todd Furman from Fox Bet Live here on The Edge here on TSN 1050. Overs are 37 and 26 this season. So if you've been betting the overs all year, you're in luck. But at some point, that script will flip. And I wonder if it's this week. There's some big totals, some 50 point, 50 plus point totals, on the board, and I'm looking at a team like Houston and Jacksonville, these are not offensive juggernauts, and I know defensively they're not juggernauts, uh, 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 juggernauts either, but when you're looking at 51 and the Dallas and the Giants, I- I'm wondering if, this, if the script is about to flip with over-unders in the NFL.
0: Well, what's interesting about that, Aaron, coming into the Thursday night game between the Bears and Bucks, the average over-under for Week 5 of the NFL season, 50.33 points. That's the highest-ever average total that we've seen in NFL history, surpassing last week's average of 49.5 points. So, oddsmakers aren't dumb. They know what the narrative is. They know the general public has been beaten up, betting these games over the total, so these... Numbers are going to inch up gradually, whether it's week by week, game by game. You're ultimately going to see a roll reversal, and as you get the totals this large, you need a laundry list of things to go right, because all it takes is one eight-minute drive, as we saw on Monday night, that results in a field goal for the Atlanta Falcons, and you're chasing a total in the mid-50s uphill. So I'm not willing to make a blanket statement that says we're going to see a rash of unders and you should blindly bet them that way, but it's buyer beware continuing to go over the total
1: unless you like the X's and O's to translate into a potential winning bet. Todd, I mentioned Houston and Jacksonville. It's not the sexiest matchup, but Bill O'Brien was dismissed as head coach of the Houston Texans last week. Romeo Cornell, 73-year-old Romeo Cornell taking over as head coach, and there is seemingly this narrative going on that, oh, the Texans, they're 0-4. They were a playoff team last year. They fired their coach. They need to win. They'll win big against Jacksonville. Are you buying into that narrative, or is it sort of off base?
0: Uh, You know, I'm not buying into it at all. I think if the Houston Texans were going to put forth a complete effort, you would have seen a little bit more from them last weekend against a Vikings team that really doesn't provide much in the way of defensive resistance. There's no doubt that Bill O'Brien has been made the scapegoat, but when you look at Deshaun Watson, he hasn't exactly been that franchise-caliber quarterback that everybody expected him to be when he had the extension, and given some of those highlight reel plays, we've grown accustomed to during his tenure in Houston. Meanwhile though, on the other side, this is a Jacksonville defense that's extremely banged up. I had ticket on them plus three last weekend against the Bengals. watch miles jack dj hayden cj henderson all go down and they were ill-equipped to stop anything that the Bengals threw at them specifically any time that joe mixon touched the football this number i think is a little bit rich so i would lean towards the jags but as this total inches up i'd make a slight case to go under you have a defensive-minded head coach in romeo cornell now who probably realizes the best way to keep his defense safe uh, and at arm's reach, is to try and establish the ground game. And When we look at the last six meetings between these two teams, we have seen five of the six games go under the total.
1: You're listening to The Edge here on TSN 1050. Our guest is Todd Furman. He is the host of the Betting the Board podcast. You know him from Fox Bet Live. He does a ton of great work. I encourage you to check out all of his work. And, Todd, some significant live movement coming from the Carolina-Atlanta game. That opened up around... Um, Atlanta minus three. That's almost a pick'em on the board. Atlanta's 0 and 4. Carolina's 2 and 2. I've been pretty impressed with what Carolina's done, especially without Christian McCaffrey. What is your take on that game? Well, I think
0: Matt Rule, uh, the new head coach in Carolina, along with his offensive coordinator Joe Brady, deserve full marks for getting this team to a 500 mark through one month of the season. We knew that the defense was going to be a complete reclamation project, but with Kawan Short and Derek Brown out there, they've actually shown a semblance of a pass rush, and that was on full display last weekend in their win against the Arizona Cardinals, taking that game outright as a field goal home underdog, and when you dig into Atlanta, it's tough to figure out what exactly is going on with Dan Quinn's team right now. Offensively, they They should have been putting up crooked numbers at every single possession. But defensively, they lose yet another member of that defensive backfield in Dwayne Casey, the four-year player out of San Diego State. Hard for me to try and make a case for Atlanta here, but at the same time, knowing this number would have been three and a half if the game was played last weekend, I think Carolina makes a lot more sense as a teaser leg to get them up through a touchdown than it does to bet them just as a one-point
1: pup. All right, you're speaking my language with the teaser, Todd. Thank you very much. I want to quickly get into some of the postponements from last week and how they affect this week's schedule. So it's going to be the Broncos in New England to play the Patriots on Monday at 5 o'clock. On Tuesday at 7, Buffalo will be in Tennessee to play the Titans. Now, there's not currently lines on the boards for those games. I guess in New England's case, we don't know if Cam Newton's going to be cleared to play or not. And we saw what Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham were able to do or not able to do in his absence, <laughs> what, what do you envision happening as far as those point spreads and how those games play out from a gambling perspective?
0: Well, I can't imagine even the casual football fan is going to get all that thrilled for a kickoff at 2 o'clock Pacific time on Monday between what potentially could be a quarterback matchup of Brett Rippon, the Boise State product, versus Brian (laughs) Hoyer, if that's indeed what we see. But, hey, there will be a point spread, there will be a total, so there's no doubt money to be made. When you look at that number, I think speculating in terms of who will be under center, Cam, hey, if you believe the reports that are out there, he's going to start, and you'd be looking at the Patriots more than a touchdown favorite. If it's not, Cam, you're talking about Brian Hoyer in a field goal plus but somewhere in that nebulous region in that 4.5 to 5.5 range, in my opinion. Meanwhile, the game on Tuesday, I think that one is much more intriguing should we get that football game between a pair of undefeated teams. Buffalo, obviously a disruption in the schedule. Tennessee dealing with a laundry list of COVID issues for 11 players that are going to impact this team's overall performance. Uh, I'd look to bet Buffalo at anything at 2.5 or less, but I really believe oddsmakers are going to force you to pay a premium and wouldn't be stunned at all if we see the Bills open as much as a field goal, maybe even a a 35 favorite for the trip to nashville
1: follow him on twitter at todd Furman. he is the co-founder of the bet the board podcast he's an analyst for fox sports one one of the best in the business it's been a pleasure to have you on the show todd thanks for doing this and good luck on your wagers this weekend my friend
0: hey appreciate you having me and likewise uh, hopefully you have an undefeated mark on saturday and sunday
1: well first time for everything todd i suppose uh, that's the one way to look at it because if you followed our pound the table picks of the week al's brother smiling behind the glass he did a lot better than me, and I'm well 1-3 on the season over the course of our two-week run here on The Edge. The Grappler, 3-1. and one. The Grappler is 3-1, so he is the reigning champion here amongst us on The Edge. Don Padula, the lead producer of TSN Edge, is going to join us next, but before he does, I'm going to give you in, out, or iffy with your fantasy football team. It also affects gambling. That and much more coming up on The Edge. <laughs> All right, we're back here on The Edge streaming live on TSN 1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, give it a nice rating and a nice review because we need all the help we can get. I mean, we're a fledgling new show. This is just week number three of TSN Edge on radio, but all is going pretty well so far aside from my picks. And really, my picks are what's most important to me. It's my pride and joy giving winners to our audience, and I have been unable to do so to this point, just one and three with our picks, but you know I'm coming with the heat on the the pound-the-table picks of the week uh, with Al's brother and the grappler in just a moment. Uh, We should remind our audience, if you haven't heard yet, I'd be surprised if you haven't, the Maple Leafs, a big free agent acquisition this evening. Just with with moments left on Overdrive, TJ Brody agreed to terms on a deal with the Maple Leafs, the 30-year-old, Plays on the right side. He's a left-handed shot, but plays on the right side for Calgary. Has for a number of years alongside Mark Giordano. He is a Maple Leaf, and he signed a four-year deal worth $5 million per year. So that's it for the Leafs. You mean you, I, On the back end, there was a lot of scuttlebutt from my boy Carlo Koliakovo. Will the Leafs sign Alex Petrangelo? Are they going to be able to fit that in? Will they have to make trades to accommodate his salary? Not the case, because... It does seem like it does seem like um, that is the end for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Alex Petrangelo with TJ Brody now in the fold. Also in the fold here on the Edge is Don Padula. He is the lead producer and co-founder of TSN Edge. What's up, Don? How are you? Hey, Aaron. how's it going, man? We're doing great. We're busy here. Lots of NFL discussion. Of course, Game 5 of the NBA Finals goes tonight. And Al's brother was telling me during the commercial break that Anthony Davis, plus 700, to win NBA Finals MVP. Could be some uh, some value there. We'll get into that a little bit later, Dom. But let's start with the Eagles and the Steelers. I know a game that you want to get into um, in our course of our discussion. The Steelers are seven-point favorites. We know that there was that unexpected bye week last week that gave the Steelers, I guess, an extra week to prepare amidst uncertain circumstances. And you look at the Eagles, who beat the Niners, but it was Nick Mullins and it was C.J. Beathard and it was a pick six in the fourth quarter. The Steelers are seven-point favorites. What is your look at this game, Dom?
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you make a great point. Steelers kind of had that week off. Um, You know, they weren't really sure if they were going to play all week, but they didn't have to worry about uh, COVID tests uh, in their own locker room. It was uh, the Titans locker room where that was a problem. And so, you know, they've had two weeks going into this game. That's two weeks to prepare for the Eagles. Now, like you said, the Eagles are coming off their first win, and right now that's enough to be the best team in the NFC least. But they're seven-point dogs this week, and I think that number should be a little bit higher just based on what I've seen this season. A lot of that has to do with Carson Wentz. You know, I mean, Philadelphia has had some bad injuries, I mean that's been the case with them dating back to last season. And I think... Carson Wentz was just so good at the end of last year despite all of the injuries that a lot of people kind of heading into the season thought okay like maybe that should be the expectation for Carson Wentz. He could really elevate the guys around him regardless of who he plays with and I just think the flip side of that and something that maybe we should have considered was it was just unsustainable like to expect him to go out there with such a beat up offensive line and missing so many weapons and then play some really good teams, uh, and, and perform at a high level consistently. I think that's a problem. And then the so last week, Alex Singleton makes that excellent pick six and helps him steal one against the 49ers, which are beat up in their own right.
1: Now go CFL. Gonna... Let's go, baby. Alex oh, Singleton. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, but now they get now they get a Steelers team that's rested. They've got the best run defense in the league. They blitz a ton. That's that's something that the Eagles could struggle with just based on their offensive line protection issue so far this year and like I'm not making excuses. I think the Eagles have had, you know, a pretty decent schedule so far. Um, it hasn't been the best, but just with all of the injuries that they're dealing with, I think it's just too much to expect Carson Wentz to be able to overcome. And so I look at that line, and I see the Steelers as the seven-point favorite. And in this spot, it's just hard for me to really trust Carson Wentz and the Eagles based on their injuries and based on what I've seen from them so far this season.
1: Yeah, Deshaun... Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, two names kind of hard to say in succession, both out for the Eagles this week, so the Eagles offense still battered and bruised. Let's shift from one NFC East team to another and I guess two NFC East teams face off with the Dallas Cowboys hosting the New York Giants. The line has settled in around 8.5, maybe 9 points in favor of the Dallas Cowboys, who should be 0-4. Their win against the Falcons, I mean, one of the flukiest onside kicks in recent memory, I'm not sure I can lay the points with Dallas. And we're going to talk Survivor Pool in a minute, and I know some people are taking Dallas as their Survivor Pool pick, but Dallas minus the nine, more than a touchdown against anyone, seems a little bit too lofty for me, Dom.
3: Yeah, actually, I completely agree with you, and we'll get to the Survivor conversation in a moment, but when you look at the Cowboys and that spread, it's like, how do you feel comfortable no matter how bad the Giants have played so far this season like how do you feel comfortable backing a Dallas team that's given up 146 points so far this season like to me I know they've played some tough games they played the Rams the Seahawks the Browns those teams are combined 10 and 2 they looked very good and you know what for the most part the Cowboys in recent years have been outstanding against their division they've kind of capitalized on those division games I know that That was the case over the last couple of years. Um, But heading into this game, it's almost as if it's like, you know, I know what the offense is capable of, even though they're turning the ball over at a higher rate than I would have expected. It's just that defense is so beat up right now. They're impossible to trust. It's a division game. Eight and a half points to me, it just seems like too high of a number. I'm not saying that I'm going to back the Giants. It's just until I see something more out of the Cowboys that makes me feel like I could trust them I'm just going to avoid a play like taking them at minus eight and a half
1: so let's talk Survivor and it's week five so many players out there might have already used the Baltimore Ravens or the KC Chiefs they are the two biggest favorites on the board fortunately for me I still have Baltimore so I'll be using them when they host the Cincinnati Bengals but you look at Dallas, you look at perhaps Arizona. Al's brother just texted me saying that the Rams are his pick this week. If you've already used Baltimore and KC, who would you use as your third option, Dom?
3: Yeah, actually, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind the Rams at, at Washington right now. I think, you know, just the way Washington's playing right now, They obviously they benched Dwayne Haskins. They turned to Kyle Allen a little bit. Of what I guess we, you would consider a safer play at the quarterback position. But that's not their only issue. I mean, if they had a defense that was just performing at a, a lights-out pace and they had the skill position players around um, someone like Kyle Allen, you might be able to say, okay, maybe, maybe they hang around with a team like the Rams. But as far as I'm concerned, um, Los Angeles, despite a couple of tough breaks uh, over the course of the season, especially with that game against the Bills, I think that... They're a playoff contender. They're a team that's going to be motivated to get after Kyle Allen. I know that defense has looked really ferocious, especially when it comes to Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, who are more than living up to their contract status right now. So I do like the Rams. Um, I've seen a couple of people talk about the Saints, you know, seven and a half point favorites against the Chargers. They get Michael Thomas back. I think if I were to choose, if I were to be looking for a third choice, though, I'd be looking at the Seahawks right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I know heading into this game, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm, I've am i been harsher on the Vikings than a lot of other people are to this point, and part of that is just I think that their defense is just so beaten up. You know, Mike Zimmer's an incredible defensive coach, and he's always elevated um, the talent that he has on that side of the football. But their secondary just has so many holes. And when you look at what Russell Wilson's doing with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, um, they're going to get some healthy bodies back in the secondary this week with Quentin Dunbar. Um So at home, Seahawks, I just feel like in that prime time spot, if I don't have Mahomes available and I don't have Jackson, I'll probably lean towards the Seahawks. But again, I still have the Chiefs, and that's the team that I feel most comfortable with heading into this week, and I don't think the Rams are a bad option either.
1: So, Dom, let's talk about the Chiefs for a second, and I guess on the other end of the spectrum, the New York Jets. They have the same odds on this situation. The Chiefs going 16 and 0 and the Jets going 0 and 16. If you bet yes to one of those things happening, you're paid almost 9 to 1. If you were to bet on either the Jets going winless or the Chiefs going lossless, which would you bet on?
3: All right, so uh, first of all, let me say it would be the Jets going winless, but I think that the Chiefs you know, I think they deserve a little bit more credit at this point than a lot of people are giving them. And I just say that from the perspective of when you look at a 16-0 and season, obviously that's something that's very hard to accomplish in the NFL. It's only been done twice before. But I went back and I looked at the numbers of what Patrick Mahomes and his team have done over the last two seasons um, in games that Patrick Mahomes has started and finished. He's 17-2, including the playoffs over the last two years. The only two losses were week 5 of last season against the Colts when he was dealing with an ankle injury and he was hobbling around on the sideline. He wasn't at full strength. And then week 10 against the Titans last season when he was coming back from a dislocated kneecap and still almost won that game. So, you know, when you look at what Mahomes has done when he's fully healthy, the Chiefs have been pretty much perfect over the last two seasons. So when I look at the potential for them to go 16-0. I'm not looking at it from the perspective of, oh my goodness, like that's something that this team can't accomplish. It's just on the flip side, when you look at what the New York Jets have done so far and the mess that um, is Adam Gase is in in that situation, um, obviously 0-16 seems like a much more likely and plausible situation right now. Um, big picture, the Jets just Sam Darnold, the lack of weapons around him, the lack of protection. I was blown away um, by the stat that I came across this week. So far this season, the Jets have run three goal-line plays. Three goal-line plays. So they're not scoring a ton of touchdowns and avoiding the goal line. It's just they're not getting there. And every other team in the league has at least double the amount of goal-line plays. The league average is 13. The Jets have three. So they're not moving the football. They're not getting stops on defense, and I know that their schedule hasn't been easiest so far, you know, with the Bills and the 49ers and the Colts, but that game on Thursday night against Brett Rippon and the Denver Broncos, when you're having a third-string quarterback get his first NFL win and his first NFL start, traveling across the country from the West Coast on a short week, that's just not a good look. And the Jets, with the exception of maybe maybe keep hanging around with the Dolphins in a divisional game. I just don't see any holes in their schedule where they're going to get that first win. So, you know, I'm not going to completely discount them. Obviously, 16-0 and and 0-16, they're both unlikely. Um, but when I look at it, it seems clear that the Jets are going to have a really difficult time finding that first win this year.
1: Well, Dom, the cure to a struggling offense is starting Joe Flacco, a quarterback. The New York Jets will personify that this weekend against Arizona. Thank you for doing this, my man. Make sure to follow TSN Edge on Twitter at TSN underscore Edge. Go to tsn.ca slash edge for all the content. Keep up the great work, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. All right, I've been dreading this segment all week after my pitiful 0-2 performance last week on the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. This is something we do every Friday evening when I invite Al's brother and the Grappler, the two real stars of Overdrive, to join me here on The Edge. Gentlemen, we'll start with you, the Grappler. How are you feeling this evening?
4: I'm doing good, man. It was a uh, busy day of uh, free agent frenzy. A little bit underwhelming, if I'm being honest. But, uh, no, all good. Uh, looking forward to another busy weekend.
1: How dare you disparage TJ Brody like that grappler. Yeah. You need to find new nah, employment. T- this is TSN, man. you got to be excited about the league. Okay, Leafs. but, dude,
4: wh- when you're looking at Saravalli's you know, top 75 <laughs> or whatever number, and like, I think Kevin Shattenkirk is the best name to come off the list. I mean, come on. like, No Hall, no Petrangelo, no Krug. I was just looking for at least one of those today, but it is what it is. I I guess it gives us more content going forward that, you know, it didn't all happen today.
1: That's exactly it, Grapple. You know we're in the content game here in radio. Let's stretch out these signings over a period of maybe 3, 4 months and that makes it easier for us for us here on TSN 1050. Owls, bro, how you doing this evening?
2: Doing well, doing well. Uh, I, un- unlike The Grappler, actually enjoyed my Free Agent Frenzy experience. <laughs> I got to see a bunch of the guys back in studio today who I haven't seen since, like, March. So it was nice. It was sort of like a little bit of a family reunion, but, of course, it was still a little different because you've got to socially distance. You can't actually shake somebody's hand. But it was nice to see
1: people in the flesh. I did see, Grappler, you won't like to hear this, Al's brother, some very ornery chats with Hayes and Noodles. I I don't know if they're encroaching on your territory as producer of Overdrive, but you might want to watch your back. Grappler, we're going to let you lead off the Pound the the Table Picks of the Week. You are 3-1 and throughout the course of this radio show. This is the third week, so kudos to you. You are leading the charge here on the Pound the Table Picks, and the floor is yours. Who are your two picks this week?
4: all right sounds like a plan so to start my pound the table picks I am taking the Panthers the Carolina Panthers at plus one over the Falcons and I think it all starts with Teddy Bridgewater I mean this is a guy I mean people want to talk about Alex Smith's incredible recovery and the fact that he's the backup quarterback uh, with the Washington football team this week but Teddy Bridgewater was in a very similar situation back when he was in Minnesota with the Vikings goes down with that gruesome injury and now he's you know back and quarterbacking a pretty potent Carolina Panthers offense so I mean the fact that he's been able to get back and playing playing the way that he is is simply nothing short of incredible uh, but you got him I mean Christian McCaffrey's out and Mike Davis is no CMC obviously but they really haven't missed a beat without him like he looks solid he's decent out of the backfield and not to sorry decent catching passes out of the backfield of course he's decent out of the backfield and also for the first time in years they actually have legitimate receiving threats in DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson so offensive side of the ball great and then you look at everything that the Falcons are doing it's just backwards backwards like Julio Jones Calvin Ridley banged up I understand but even when they've been on the field this is a Falcons team that just keeps running and I'm sorry this isn't the Todd Gurley of the Rams he can't run this much they've run more on first and second down than 30 other NFL teams so you'd think that would take the pressure off Matt Ryan and make things a little bit easier on him but it hasn't he's been mediocre at best and then you look at Dan Quinn this is a guy I don't know how he still has his job I mean he came over from the Seahawks thought of a defensive-minded coach, got them to the Super Bowl that first year. and I, But other than that, I mean, they've been bottom of the league defensively with him at the helm. So I don't know how this guy still has a job. They've been brutal defensively. So that's why I'm picking the Panthers at plus one over the Falcons. That is game one. And game number two, and I know for a fact I'm in the minority here, but I like the Browns at plus one over the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. And, I, I mean, I, listen, I know this is supposed to be a pound-the-table segment, but I think whenever you're doing anything that involves the Browns, You can't really pound the table, so I'm going to try and BS my way through this. But, uh, no, listen, he he just looks more comfortable. This is a guy, he's had a rough, let's just be honest, he had a brutal start to his NFL career, faced a lot of pressure, and I think now, finally, it's been a quieter offseason for the Browns. He's looked a lot more comfortable. They finally found some sort of identity running the ball. Uh, The Nick Chubb loss obviously hurts. But I think as long as Kareem Hunt can stay on the field, you got Dearness Johnson. He's going to get some play as well. And you've got Odell and Jarvis Landry, who are going to stretch the field, should be able to make some plays deep. And then defensively, they haven't been half bad either. Led by Miles Garrett, they've been super strong against the run. And you look at what the Colts have been able to do this season. A lot of it has been run reliant. I don't think they're going to be able to do that this week. They're going to have to throw early and often. I don't think Phillip Rivers can get the job done anymore if he's throwing the ball 50 times a game. So, yeah, I'm taking Baker. I'm taking the Browns. uh, I'm all about the dog pound this week. Let's go, Browns. Oh, wow.
1: The grappler. Three and one. I can't be hating on your picks. So, I mean, I just have to nod in agreement.
4: you're, you're about to hate on them And you know Whenever it's time To make your picks
1: That's right All right Look, Al's brother <laughs> Al's brother The floor is yours Who are your two picks For the pound the table Picks of the week
2: Well I'll hate on that pick Because I think that It's a crappy pick You see what I did there like that? (laughs) Because
1: the first team that I'm
2: taking, yeah, that was pretty bad. bad. That's got the tumbleweeds
1: uh, (laughs) rolling through the the Western. Go ahead.
2: But I do do believe in the Indianapolis Colts. Like, they got the league's best defense, and with DeForest Buckner playing lights out on their run D specifically, that has improved greatly. They limited James Robinson to 62 yards in Week 1. Dalvin Cook, 63 yards in Week 2. David Montgomery, just 27 yards rushing last week. And what's the game plan for Stefanski and the Browns to run the ball? No Nick up for them, so it'll be all Kareem Hunt in the backfield, and I think he'll have a, dif- a difficult time trying to find those holes, and that puts the ball in Baker's hands, and I'm not betting on him to win the game himself. This should be a low-scoring affair. It'll be a very grinded-out type game. It's basically a pick at minus one, and I'm taking the Colts. Uh, the second game here, I am going out on a little bit of a limb, so I'm cheating as well, where you say you're, you're pounding the table, but the oddsmakers are giving the Bengals 13 points against the Ravens. Thirteen is a lot of points, and the Ravens just haven't quite been as explosive as they were last year. And especially with Lamar Jackson, who's reportedly dealing with a knee injury, which could limit his mobility and effectiveness. Plus, you got Joe Burrow and the Bengals riding high after their first win. I think that you know he's the real deal, and he can make this game a lot closer than people think. The AFC North games are always, always tough and always close. So, thirteen points is a bit high for me. I'll take those points. Bengals plus thirteen.
1: All right, it's time for me to pound the table for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are seven-point favorites against the Eagles this week. And for one, there's a huge disparity in talent between these two teams, especially with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson out for the Eagles. The number of options that Carson Wentz has is extremely limited, and that will reflect in the score. Pittsburgh is coming off a bye because of the whole coronavirus postponement last week. So I think that's advantageous for them. Also, Philly played on Sunday night in San Francisco. They're coming back east to Pittsburgh. That's challenging. I like Pittsburgh to win, win by double digits, and just a little trend for you. I know Davis Sanchez of TSN hates these little stats, but I'm going to give you one anyways. Pittsburgh. 8-2 and 1 against the spread in the month of October since the start of the 2017 season. What that means, I don't know, but it sounds fancy. Also, Al's brother, I'm totally with you on the Colts as minus 1 not point favorites, over the Browns. And I heard your argument, Graps, and I heard your argument, Al's brother. Not that it really influenced my decision because I'm a man of my own convictions. But I called the Cleveland Browns frauds last week, and they came out and put up 24 first downs in the first half against the Dallas Cowboys. 24 first downs. And Dallas is a complete joke defensively. We all know it. Indy may have the best defense in the NFL, and I heard Robert Mays on Overdrive earlier this week, grappler, talking about how great the Cleveland Browns' offensive line is. This is going to be a massive test for them against the Colts. A test I don't think they're quite equipped for, with Nick Chubb out, with Kareem Hunt hobbled. I know your boy Dearness Jackson, Dearness Johnson, whatever it is. I don't think he's replicating. Johnson, Johnson. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't think he's replicating the 95-yard performance that he had last week. I like the Colts as well. So I'm on the Steelers minus seven, and I'm on the Colts minus one. Grappler, you want to respond? Because it's this This is the first time for the, in the three-week history of this radio show, the illustrious history of this radio show, that Al's <laughs> brother and I are on one side and you are on the other.
4: No, I, I mean, I, I can't argue with much of that. I mean, they're all valid points, and I think that's the reason that this game is essentially a pick em. I mean, I, I, especially with Al's brother's arguments, I feel like he was making the same arguments against Baker Mayfield that I was making against Phillip Rivers. So... It's not. I mean, it's. It, who knows? It, ultimately, when you're dealing with the Browns, I mean, they could blow the Colts out of the water by 30 points. They could get blown out by 30 points. They could miss a field goal on the final possession and lose by one. Uh, it, it is. It's. It's strange to think I'm looking forward to a Colts Browns matchup at 4:25 on a Sunday. But I am looking forward to Colts Browns on Sunday.
1: He is the grappler. Al's brother is here as well. And, Grapps, I want to get your comment on the Dallas Cowboys as near double-digit favorites over the Giants. Your <laughs> team, a team you picked against last week who kind of screwed you over as far as the point yeah, spread goes. They did not win, but uh, they covered the number. Would you be willing and comfortable to lay the near double digits on the Dallas Cowboys against the Giants?
4: Uh, I think I will just because there's such a. I, I feel like the last several years, I, I'm pretty sure the last time the Giants beat the Cowboys was 2016, and they actually beat them twice. Um, but Dak Prescott just seems to have the Giants' number. He knows that off, or he knows that team so well. Um and there's just so much talent with the Cowboys on the offensive side of the ball. The Giants, I mean they've got Evan Engram, but their running game is still a disaster. D- Darius Slayton might be a decent, you know, uh, have some nice de- uh, decent deep shots. Um but no, it just they they don't I, I I am taking the Cowboys. If I had to, I'd be taking the Cowboys. I obviously hope it's a closer game as a Giants fan, but uh no, I am in no way confident in the Giants even though Fell- they screwed me last week. <laughs>
1: Fellas, another terrific performance from both of you. Thank you for joining me, and make sure to stay tuned to the Pound the Table Picks of the Week every Friday. We post it on the TSN 1050 Instagram, all over Twitter, and if I'm 0-2 again, we may never do this segment again. So just uh, just a heads-up to you, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, boys, and uh, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. You, you too, as guys. Well. Take it easy. All right, that's it for us here, the NBA Finals. Game five between the Heat and the Lakers. The Lakers are up 3-1. That game coming at you at 9 o'clock. The Heat, seven-point dogs. Recommend you take the Heat 15-4 against the spread in the playoffs. I'm Aaron Korolnik. Thanks to Grappler, Al's brother, for joining me tonight here on The Edge.